to Baby Boomer Unleashed, episode 58. I'm Jerry Lake, the Unleashed Baby Boomer, and I'll be your host for today's episode and all the episodes of Baby Boomer Unleashed. Today's episode, Life After High School, part five, beginning a discussion on careers that require a college degree. Before we get into today's um, interview with uh, Tony Stroud, I want to tell you where you can always find our podcast. You can find us at bboomerunleashed.podbean.com. You can find us on iTunes and Google Play at bboomerunleashed, on iHeartRadio at b.boomerunleashed. You can find our link on Facebook, Spotify, and Instagram at bboomerunleashed. And you can find our link on Twitter at bboomerunleashed1. And as always, we invite you to email us at bboomerunleashed at gmail.com. Give us your comments, your questions, any suggestions for future episodes that you might have. Well, as you know, we've been talking about life after high school for the last several episodes. In our first episode in this series, We talked about what was available to baby boomers when uh, we were in high school and following high school. The next episode, we featured an interview with former student Josh Blossom, how he chose a career path that didn't require a four-year college degree and uh, how he's had success uh, in his life doing that. Then we spoke to Frank Barnett, vocational director for Cabell County Schools, about opportunities available at career technical centers, not just Cabell County, but others around the country. Then we talked to Tracy McClanahan, who is a career literacy teacher at Barbersville Middle School, and how they're trying to prepare middle schoolers to choose a good career path. Well, this week we begin our discussion on some careers that require a college education, and today's guest is Tony Stroud, who is an attorney with Incova Insurance. He also happens to be my son-in-law. So welcome to Be Boomer Unleashed, Tony. Thanks. Happy to be here. Well, we're glad to have you here today. Tell us a bit about your upbringing, Tony, and why you decided to become an attorney. I was born in a little town down in southern West Virginia named Dingus, near Logan. I was born in Logan General Hospital in doesn't make you a dingbat, does it? <laughs> it does not make me a dingbat. <laughs> okay. Although some may say that. All right. Uh, born in Logan General Hospital and, uh, you know, born to, to, to two parents who uh, coal mining families. My father decided he didn't want to be a coal miner, so uh, moved to Huntington, West Virginia. And, uh, you know, although my parents had limited education, they taught me two of the most important things that stuck with me is work hard and, and what it was about to be a Christian and why it's so important in your life. Right. And, uh, uh, you know, they always stressed the importance of getting an education to me uh, and my brother and, you uh, you know, they, I honestly did not know that college was not an option for me growing up. <laughs> um, and it's uh, it's been a, a, a great uh, educational experience for me. Uh, doors have opened for me I never thought possible. And my brother and I are the only two college graduates in our family and uh, have both done, done pretty well for ourselves considering where we came from. Your brother's quite a computer genius, isn't he? He is. My, my brother has six or seven patents to his name now and is a design engineer down in Austin, Texas for Apple Computers. So uh, he's the smart one in the family. He really is a rocket scientist. Oh, I'd say so. Well, Tim, by the way, I'm using an iMac. If you're listening into this podcast, you'd be proud we're using an iMac. Mm-hmm. So, Tony, why did you decide to follow the path that you did to become an attorney? You know, it's kind of interesting. I, when I first finished high school, I thought I wanted to be an engineer. So I enrolled at Marshall University. And, of course, Marshall did not have an engineering program back in 1982 when I started there. And uh, they had a pre-engineering program. And 
I started in that program and really decided that was not for me and um, stayed with computer science and got a business uh, degree as well. I actually just started working in the insurance industry. I was a claims adjuster for a company that uh, handled workers' compensation claims. Did that for about five years, and throughout that process, I worked a lot with attorneys. And it was during that period of time that I decided, hey, I think I would like to do this. I would like to go to law school and become an attorney. So at age 30, I packed my bags and moved to Morgantown, West Virginia, only because Marshall did not have a law school and got my oh, law degree. Oh, well, Morgantown, wow. <laughs> <laughs> that was a, a, quite an experience there. I'll bet it was. Quite a bit different from Huntington. You didn't burn any couches or anything, though, you WV. <laughs> no couch burning. You know, couch I, burning. I was there on a mission to get a law degree, so you know, I was there for my three years and out. So. Okay. Well, you know, there are a lot of different pathways you can take as an attorney, and I'm sure you went to college with uh, and to law school with some men and women who chose lots of different paths. What what are some of the things a person can do with as an attorney? And tell us a little bit about your practice. What 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 is your specialty? You know, one of the things a law degree it opens so many doors that I just don't think people realize. Uh, you know, you do not even have to be an attorney um, with a law degree. Um, there are a lot, the actually the CEO of my company in Cove Insurance uh, is has a law degree and, and was a practicing lawyer for some period of time. You know, you can be a litigator. Uh, you know, I, I think one thing that's happened, all these television shows and dramas you see, has kind of glamorized the profession of law and people think they're in the courtroom and, and, and do the, the fun stuff every day. You know, attorneys read a lot. Attorneys write a lot. Attorneys do a lot of research, uh, depending on what type of law you're in. You know, some of those decide to, to go into public service. You know, we have public defenders and people who decide to be advocates for the, for the public. Uh, you have people, you know, as plaintiff lawyers, you have defense lawyers. I took a path. I actually do administrative law. I uh, started out as a litigator and then um, after a practice a couple years, um, started doing some administrative law and primarily workers' compensation litigation and really liked that and uh, continued to do that for some time. And then seven years ago, I decided to try the life of an in-house lawyer. So I'm now in-house counsel in COVID insurance and Boy, that's been quite an experience because I never know what's going to get thrown at me on, on every given day. When you work in a large firm, you kind of tend to get pigeonholed into one area of law or another and do that day after day. But as a corporate lawyer working for a big company, I get things thrown at me. Uh, today, I was dealing with an annuity issue. Tomorrow, I may be dealing with a, a regulatory issue. So I never know what's going to come my way uh, as an in-house lawyer. Well, I'm, I'm sure you've, you've been involved in a lot of different uh, projects as an attorney. Uh, you know, uh, something that just came to mind here, you know, there are careers in law that don't require a law degree. There's a lot of support personnel that uh, are involved in law firms. What are, what are some of those uh, avenues? Yeah, there are a lot of paraprofessionals. I mean, you know, there's uh, many lawyers uh, would not be able to do what they do and be as successful. And I know when I was practicing that the legal assistance I had were instrumental to my practice and the administrative assistance. It's kind of a team approach. And, you know, I worked for a very large law firm. We had a chief financial officer. We had a chief operating officer. So, you know, we had a marketing department. So it's really, uh, if you're with one of the larger firms, it's like being with any major corporation. There are a lot of different uh, jobs there that do not require a law degree or, or you do not have to know anything about the law to have those jobs. Wow. Facil facilities manager, you know, we had a facilities manager who handled all of our leases in our facilities. So a lot of different opportunities available with a law firm. Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. 
You know, lots of students, uh, probably most students at one time or another, what do you want to be when you grow up, son? Or what do you want to be when you grow up, young lady? And a lot of them will say, want to be a doctor or a lawyer. I think that's pretty common because I think they think doctors and lawyers make a lot of money. You know, most of them don't get into it for the public service aspect of it or want to go that direction because of that. But lots of students say that. If a student is serious about that and really uh, wants to be an attorney, what's what's some advice that you might give them on how they can prepare even before they get out of high school? The one advice that I would give them is to make sure that's really what you want to do and 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 then start focusing on on what type of law you think you're going to like like to do. One of the things I always tell students learn to write. Uh, writing is a lost art in this country in my right. opinion and that is a lot of what a lawyer does. You know, a lot of how we get our message across and our argument across is through the written word. And if you do not have the ability to, to persuasively write and, and put forth your argument, it makes it a little more difficult. So develop good study habits. You know, law school is a perseverance contest, in my opinion. Uh, it's a lot of information coming at you over a short period of time. So you've got to be prepared, be focused, have good time management. So I think the quicker you learn those skills, you're going to do much better in law school. I was 30 years old, so I had worked. I knew what that was like. Law school, uh, after my first year, I, I very much enjoyed law school. I know some people think they hate it. It's the worst <laughs> time of their life. Remember, the students who had just come out of college is a much more difficult experience. But just focus on on time management, study habits, and you know, make sure it's something that you really want to do. And you mentioned uh, uh, the first thing you mentioned about it is to make sure that that's really what they want to do. How does a kid find that out? I mean, how do they, how do they, other than watching Law and Order on TV, like say these courtroom dramas, how how do how do they really know that? I think it's one of those things that you really don't know until you start law school and, and, and start learning a little bit about the law and, and, and all the different areas that are open. You know, I would encourage someone, even if you started law school and you decided you didn't want to be a lawyer, get that degree because it does open a lot of doors that otherwise would not be open for you just having a law degree. <clears throat> yeah, I tell you, it's, uh, that's, I think it's good advice. Well, what about, um, you know, down the road? You know, you've got people say, well, I want to be an attorney. I've, I've got my degree. I think I want to do this. Yeah, I want to be a lawyer. What what kind of advice would you give that person in, in shaping their career and in, in deciding what kind of law they really want to practice? One of the things that I, I always tell people who ask me about going to law school is, what, what should I do in undergrad? And I always encourage them to find a, a career that you like outside of law because, you do not have to have a specific degree degree to get into law school. Uh, you can choose anything. So if you have an interest in business, get a business degree. Uh, you know, if you have an interest in accounting, get an accounting degree. I mean, there are a lot of CPAs who who get their their or, or lawyers who get their their CPA or vice versa. So find something you think you might want to like and fall back on. Because I think sometimes when people start practicing law, once they get out of law school. It's not as glamorous as they think, and you know, although the public and society still thinks that you become instantly wealthy once you graduate law school, it's not like that at all. I mean, you pay your dues, and you know, and um, pay a lot of tuition too. Pay a lot of tuition. (laughs) Law school is very expensive. You know, back in '98 when I graduated law school, you know, I just went to WVU and I came out of law school with a fifty thousand dollar student loan debt. But I know work, uh, some of the other attorneys who started with me at Stepton Johnson uh, had a couple hundred thousand dollar law school debts, so they went out of state to some larger schools. 
Um, so I, I think you've got to, you know, weigh all those options and decide, you know, what you really want to do. What uh, and, and while we're on that subject of WVU, and I was poking a little fun at WVU a while ago, but uh, I love WVU as long as they're not playing Marshall and anything. But going to law school at WVU, and of course everybody says, well, you should go to Harvard or you should go to some Ivy League school or you should go to, uh, you know, um, down in Georgia or someplace, you know. But uh, what what can you not get at WVU that you can get at some of these other schools? I mean. You know, I think that's my point, you know, my my position with even going to undergrad. I mean, a lot about what you get out of your college education is the person who's there. Right. Uh, you know, maybe if you have a degree, you know, from an Ivy League school, it may open some 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 doors el- uh, other places you might not otherwise have, but you know, I think a lot of what you get out of your education is is what you put into it. So, you know, I don't think I would have been in any different position than I am right now had I gone to a large law school. Right. Uh, recently, you were appointed to the Board of Governors at uh, Marshall University. What is a What does the Board of Governors do? Tell Tell us about <laughs> Tell us about that. Uh, a lot of work and no pay. Okay, I understand. <laughs> uh, you know, we are actually the governing board for the university, and basically, our primary responsibility is, you know, as the Board of Governors is in, uh, hiring and firing of presidents, and we have fiduciary responsibility. Uh, over the university itself. So we look at policies and, and financial matters, and we're kind of there to help the president. But I think a lot of people think we have something to do with the day-to-day operations of the university, and we have nothing to do with that. We're just a board that governs the university. Real similar to, really kind of similar to a county board of education, I suppose, in that, you know, the only person that the board of education can hire and fire uh, without the superintendent's recommendation is the superintendent. You know, they really don't have anything to do with the day-to-day operations, but a lot of people uh, do. I'm, I'm, I'm sure as a, a member of the board of governors, you get calls about stuff that you have nothing to do with. Yeah, yeah we do all the time. You know, I think people think we hire and fire uh, athletic coaches, but we have <laughs> absolutely nothing to do that with that. Well, let me ask you this. Um, as a, an alumnus of, of uh, Marshall University, as a member of the Board of Governors there, you know, a lot of kids talk about going away to college. I want to, can't wait to get out of high school and go away to college. If you're that kid that wants to go away to college, why should they stay home and go to Marshall? Give them some reasons. You know, we hate to lose our kids uh, away from Marshall, and, and, and Marshall is a whole lot different than it was when I went to school there, and probably quite a bit different than. It was when you went there. I mean, they've opened up a lot of programs. I mean, my goodness, uh, we've got lots of opportunities. Tell us about some of that, and tell us why kids should stay home and go to Marshall. Well, Marshall has a, a lot of excellent programs, and, and I think you can get a quality education uh, from Marshall uh, as you can any other university in this country. Now, we have <clears throat> opened up a lot of new programs. You know, we have the new engineering building that was opened up a few years ago, a very robust engineering program. Uh, a lot of cybersecurity programs we've started at Marshall University. Uh, business School was re- recently ranked one of the top in the in the country. Uh, we've had a large donation from uh, from Brad Smith recently to help with a new business school at Marshall University. Uh, the new aviation program has been announced. Uh, Marshall was ranked nationally for the first time with the U.S. News and World Report recently. Uh, we were just designated an R2 research institution. So a lot of good things are happening at Marshall University, and it's a great place to come to school. And if you look at Marshall's tuition, 
compared to some of these other universities, it's a bargain for a college education, oh, yeah. in my opinion. Well, when I went to uh, college back <clears throat> in the late 60s and early 70s at Marshall, we had a lot of uh, transfers in or uh, out-of-state students from New Jersey, and they could actually come to Marshall pay out-of-state tuition, and pay room and board at Marshall cheaper than they could stay at home go to college in New Jersey. So, I mean, uh, and certainly it's a whole lot more expensive than it was when I was uh, in college, but it's still it's still quite a bargain. Not to mention the fact we've also, Marshall Med School, man, that is really uh, uh, kind of put Huntington on the map, too. Yeah, that's a good point, the med school, and we just opened up the new pharmacy school, you know, so yeah, a lot of good things are happening at Marshall. A lot of a lot of activity. We, you know, we have a a president right now uh, who is uh, doing a great job and just continuing to to grow and increase the university. Yeah, Doctor uh, Gilbert has uh, has been. He's been how many years has he been there now? About four. About I think he's been years. here about four years now. But he's been uh, really influential in uh, a lot of uh, in the catalyst for a lot of change at Marshall. I think, and uh, he's 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 a good guy. And I think people need to remember. I mean, Marshall is really an economic engine for this part of West Virginia. And you know, as Marshall goes, so the economy goes here. And I think as you know, things continue to change and our economy continues to evolve, we're going to see Marshall playing a much more significant substantial role in the economy here. Yeah, I mean, you look at Huntington, if it uh, was not for Marshall University, what would we have? Yeah. I mean, back back in baby boomer days when I grew up, there were all these factories. You know, a kid could drop out of high school or they could graduate from high school and, and go to the nickel plant or go to uh, Connor Steel or they go to Hudai Hershey or Sylvania or Corbin or what? I mean, there was factory after factory after factory, and we just don't have that industrial base in Huntington now. No, we don't. I, I remember, and I think I may be wrong on this number, but if I remember correctly, back in the the Boomer era, there were, I think, over 10,000 people employed in heavy industry. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, probably now I think I saw that figure is two or 3,000. So yeah. things have changed. and. Uh, and of course, one thing I failed to mention is we're finally getting a baseball stadium. At I was just getting ready to mention that. They've been promising us a baseball stadium since I was in Marshall back in the 60s and 70s. And that's really exciting. Tell us a little bit it, about it that. It is. You know, for for years, if you said, I think when, when Jack Cook was uh, at Marshall, he was promised a baseball stadium. I think Coach Cook is 92, 93 years old now, so... Uh, we're finally getting that baseball stadium. It's it's going on a, a site over across from the old uh, the BASF plant, right? On uh, between Third and Fifth Avenue. So you know we've broken ground on that. Uh, very excited. And they can uh, walk right across the street and get Stewart's original hot dogs. There you that's, go. That's where, that's where it's going to be. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but you know we're real excited about that, and I I really can't help but think that if they get a good venue, that we might attract a minor league uh, professional team to hunt. Yeah, that's the hope, that we'll be able to do that and then hopefully attract some of these regional tournaments, some right. of these state, ter- uh, state tournaments from uh, from the high school. So we really think it's going to help. Uh, and, of course, you know, it's going to be very nice to have a nice baseball stadium sitting on that empty lot that's been there for years. Well, and I don't know how we've recruited the quality of the ball players that we have when they haven't had a field to play on. It's been remarkable the success the program has had, considering you know they were driving to you know we joked almost any flat, play, flat place they could play they could put four bases on Marshall right. used as their home. But having a home baseball stadium in Charleston, West Virginia, is not conducive to the Division no. One baseball program. <laughs> no, it's not. 
Do you ever think, uh, looking in your crystal ball here, and I'm not asking for inside information, but do you think that there's ever a day that Marshall will have a law school? As much as I would love for Marshall to have a law school, I honestly don't think it would ever happen. And, and honestly, I don't know that we need another law school in right. West Virginia. Um, you know, Ohio, I think Ohio has 10 law schools. Right. You know, do you really need 1,500 new lawyers entering the market every year? Although I did read an article recently, which kind of surprised me to some extent, that I think I saw for the first time since the early 1970s, law school uh, applications are the lowest they've been since the early 70s. Wow. So, you know, the practice of law, you know, the, the need for lawyers is cyclical. I happened to hit the market at a good time because of in the early 90s, you know, there was a, a too many lawyers. And we also we saw that happen again when the economy downturned in 2008, 2009. People graduated from college, couldn't get a job, so they went to law school or some other. So, yeah. But now it seems that people are going the other direction. So now is actually a good time to enter the legal market because you're going to see a lot of lawyers retiring, I think, in the few years with the boomers all retiring. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, of course, lawyers have a bad rap, and I'm sure you've heard every lawyer joke uh, that uh, that there is coming and going, you know. But they, a lot of times, they rank right there with used car salesmen and televangelists, you know, <laughs> and, and trustworthiness. But that's not the case. I, th- I think, uh, and, and of course, there are some lawyers out there who are shysters, just like there are school administrators who are shysters and or barbers or welders or whatever you know but uh, i think by and large it's an honorable profession it is i mean it's like you said like anything they're good and bad uh, you know that's the world we live in but it, it is an honorable profession and i think you'll find that 90 plus percent of all the lawyers are in it for the right reason and, and want to do the right thing right well tony uh, we're about to run out of time here we're gonna wrap it up here but anything else you'd like to impart or say uh, about Marshall or about the legal profession or about education in general, going to college, uh, anything you want to say in a couple minutes we have left here? You know, the one thing I guess I'd have to say, I mean, Marshall University was so instrumental and beneficial in me being the first college graduate for my family, opening up those doors that I've been able to uh, achieve a career and do more than I ever thought was possible in my life. You know, I had a a father who had an eighth grade education and a mother who graduated high school, uh, but they worked hard. And, you know, if you work hard, get yourself a good education, you'll be successful um, at whatever you do. But I think those are the the keys. And what I was taught, you know, by my parents was the the, uh, benefit of hard work. Yeah, hard work will get it done whether you go to college or elsewhere. And, of course, your wife and my daughter, Cassie, She's a uh, speech and language pathologist and uh, went right through the program there at Marshall. And Marshall, uh, as far as it comes to that, is one of the top-ranked speech pathology programs in the nation. So there's a lot of great programs at Marshall, a lot of great things for you to do there. So, you know, if you're a parent or a grandparent or even a kid out there listening to this podcast... You ought to consider Marshall University, or if you're listening from North Carolina somewhere, consider the hometown school. Keep that money in town and stay close to home, and family's real important. And you've got a real opportunity here at Marshall University 
as far as a college education to do just about anything you'd want to do. Well, Tony, thanks for being here today. We appreciate you coming on the show, and uh, we'll see you again sometime soon, okay? It's a pleasure. Thank you. All right. So next week, we'll be talking about more careers that may require a college degree, and we hope that you'll join us then. But until then, have a great week, and may God bless each and every one of you. Goodbye. Goodbye.